0: Two or three or four years ago, now a small group of, of Christians in southwest West Virginia began praying, began praying for their county, began praying for the schools, began praying for their churches. On April 24th or 27th of this year, uh, a young man, he was a junior in high school there in the local high school. He had uh, been diagnosed with leukemia three years ago. God had healed him from leukemia. And he played football this past season on the football team there at the, at the a local high school. And according to his, his words, God had really been speaking to him, stirring him. So on, the, on that day in April, he could no longer ignore what God was telling him to do. So at lunch hour, he took his Bible. He opened it to the book of Nehemiah in the hallway of the high school. And he preached, according to his words, a very short message on the importance of building walls in our lives to protect us from the enemy. Ten high school, ten of his classmates gave their heart to the Lord there in the hallway, and a revival began because people had prayed. Wherever the kids met, then other kids were giving their hearts to the Lord, and soon it got it drew attention of the of the atheists and of those who can't stand that, and they contacted the schools and tried to squelch the revival was going on. So they they shut it out of the classrooms, and it moved to the football stadium for over where over seventeen hundred people met. And it moves to other venues. And as of mid-May, there was recorded over 3,000 people had given their hearts to the Lord in the two counties there, just in southwest West Virginia. Amen. The latest, the latest edition of Decision Magazine has an article in there about that. You can Google it called Appalachian Awakening. Appalachian Awakening. awakening. And there's other testimonies other of, of things that God is doing. So uh, that's exciting to me. The truth of our nation's Christian heritage is, is still out there. And, and a diligent search can discover those truths even though there has been a dedicated attempt to purge them from the pur- public records. Uh, it was just this uh, several days ago that I, I, I just Googled in religious freedom uh, and the founding of the United States, and I thought I'd just see what was on there. And uh, out of that, just just cursory search, uh, just grew a passion and a burning. One of the, one of the first things that that uh, that came up was uh, an article, or actually a book review, book called "The Founding Fathers and the Place of Religion in America." And, uh, and I, I wanted to print off this review and I printed it off so I could look at and highlight. And as I read through it, I just, I just, I thought, is this me or is this, uh, because it was so different than, than what I had been, the truth that I had been taught. And uh, so I, I went to the, the, the best source that I knew of, I, I, I asked Barbie, I said, honey, would you take a look, <laughs> would you take a look at this for me? And uh, so she got about halfway through it. And pages were just flying like this. And she said, Jerry, she said, and I, I think I can use the, her words that she said, since she said, this is the biggest bunch of bull I've ever read in all my life. <laughs> and she was just, and, and out of that, um, and, and I'm telling you that because out of that, grew kind of an anger at, at the revisionist, those who are trying to rewrite the history and the role of, of, of God and the role of Christ in the our, in our founding of this country. Uh, I've, I've, I've mentioned this book before. I'm going to mention it again this morning. But uh, for those of you that love history, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, this is called The Light and the Glory by Peter Marshall Jr. and David Manuel. Uh, and uh, I just love it. One, it, for those of you that are scholarly, it is so well documented back to primary source is that you, you, And you can follow it, you can research it, so that you're not taking some person's word for it. You're going back to those original documents. Uh, for example, in this book, um, quoting from, did, did you know that Christopher Columbus left one journal in his own handwriting? One journal in his own handwriting. And this is an excerpt from that journal that he wrote. And listen to this. Says it was the Lord who put into my mind, I could feel his hand upon me, the fact that it would be possible to sail from here to the Indies. All who heard of my, my project rejected it with laughter, ridiculing me. There's no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit, because he comforted me with rays of marvelous inspiration from the Holy Scriptures. Let me get a put something here. Hang on a second. I'll preach to these dissolve. he continues, I am a most unworthy sinner, but I have cried out to the Lord for grace and mercy, and they have covered me completely. I have found the sweetest consolation since I made it my whole purpose to enjoy his marvelous presence. For the execution of the journey to the Indies, I did not make use of intelligence, mathematics, or maps. It is simply the fulfillment of what Isaiah had prophesied. And he continues, no one should fear to undertake any task in the name of our Savior, if it is just and if the intention is purely for his holy service. And he continues. But there's just things like that that are available. Some of you are familiar with David Barton. We did a couple of uh, of his series here at the church. Uh, and uh, familiar with his website called Wall Builders. Wall Builders. And boy, for those of you that love history and love just to, to research, you can have a field day. You'll go there and, and, and get started. But that's kind of... That's kind of where, where the impetus for this message this morning, uh, our time together, came from. Because I believe, oh, you're a wonderful, bless you, Jeff, good job, good job. Listen, we, can, we as, as Christians and we as, as patriot Christians can never, now listen to me, we can never afford to let the truth be scrubbed. Are changed from our public records, we have to make a stand Amen. with that in mind, a short short, short review It was in April of seventeen seventy five shots had already been fired at Lexington at Concord and in Boston and and the as, a, as the clergy and the colonies preached and it was a, it was it was, a, it was a tense time they, it, severing ties with Great Britain was not something that was taken quickly or lightly but it was uh, it was a tense tense time and so the the clergy had called for a time of fasting and prayer for the colonies and it was during that time uh, that they convened the first Continental Congress and uh, in, in that year of 1775 uh, speaking to the First Continental Congress was a man by the name of, of uh, Jacob duche and he, he preached This is, he preached this message before the Continental Congress and it was taken from Psalms 80 verse 1 and then verse 8 through 14 and the title of the message is called The American Vine. Now, I've had this laid on my desk for at least two years, maybe three years and and those of you that that have seen my desk would say, well, that's no big deal, you probably didn't see it in two or three years. (laughs) But but, uh, but I was always aware that it was there and... uh, and after I Googled this search uh, several days ago for religious freedoms in our country, I, I almost, I, I came and I reread this sermon. And, and it's so powerful and it's so good that there was a part of me, I, I'm praying, Lord, if, if I can't preach a better message. I'll just read this. It took about 15 minutes to read it through. And I'll read this. But, but I'm not going to do that. I don't think that's what the Lord wants me to do. But in the message, the gist of the message called the American Vine is is where. It says, God brought the vine up out of Egypt, and he's referring to Israel. And many of our founding fathers and uh, of the early colonists saw a connection between God choosing Israel as his chosen people and God's call and God's designed destiny upon this country. And so he preaches, he preaches a message, powerful message. And back, back in those days, I'm just telling you, that was before political correctness had ever been even even thought of. And they just preached God's word and they preached truth and power for these colonies and for these people here. Excuse me. Well, shortly thereafter, the, 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 the move for independence continued to gain momentum. It would be... In the uh, spring of 1776, uh, that it was growing rapidly, another, another national day of prayer and fasting. John Witherspoon addressed the nation, uh, uh, the Continental Congress that year on the, the day of, of prayer and fasting. And he preached a message called the, Providen- the Dominion of Providence Over the Passions of Men, taken from Psalm 76, verse 10 and, and again, you, you, can, you can pull it out. If you, know, if you go, just don't take too long, but you have to search for it. And the truth of this, well, as that, as that plea uh, and, and the movement grew, it was on June 7th that uh, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia introduced a resolution declaring that the United Colonies are and of a right ought to be free and independent states. So in June, they formed a committee to draft a declaration declaring independence. On the morning of July 1, 1776, history records that in Independence Hall in Philadelphia, they were gathered together, that John Adams gave an impassioned plea uh, for, for liberty, and they felt it needed to be unanimous, as it's hard to get anything unanimous, and uh, they needed to be unanimous, and he had just finished his plea when uh, history says that the, the doors of, of Independence Hall opened up and it was a rainy day and in, in, into the hall came dripping wet the only member of the Continental Congress that year who was a clergy and his name was John Witherspoon. And he strolled into the, 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 to the group stone-faced and dripping wet. And as he spoke, he, had, he was, the, professor, he was the, the, the president of Princeton College. And he was the one that, uh, that had taught James Madison the course at Princeton College. And this is the title of the course. We have these all over our schools today. Biblical Principles of Government. <laughs> Boy, we need some of those. But he had taught this course to James Madison, who would be one of the, the, the writers, primary writers of this, this document. And he addressed the con- Congress that day. The next day, a call was on Ju- July 4th. A call was voted to uh, uh, to vote on the draft, and it was unanimously approved. So, on July fourth, seventeen seventy six, the draft of the Declaration of Independence was approved, and that ever since then, July fourth has been designated or has been observed as the birth date of this country. Now, that was just a that was just a, a little bit there, but if you if again in your cursory search. And if you look at that first article that, that Barbie said was, was mostly uh, bovine, um, you'll see that, that I really got so angry because they were, they, were just, they, were, they were basically saying all these documents are secular and it's just a, it's just a few you know, right-wing crazy Christians who try to make something Christian that's not. Well, let me, and these words will be familiar to those of you who went through school back in the day. To some of you other kids, it may not be, but uh, we had to memorize this in history, American history. It's called the preamble, right? Of the Declaration of Independence. It says, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands, which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Okay? So they're saying, hey, we don't do this lightly. So we're going to lay out for you why we feel like God is leading us to declare our independence as 13 United Colonies. And it continues, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created, and I know some of you in your mind you're saying, yeah, I remember having to do that. We hold these truths to, to be self evident That all men are created equal, and that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, are, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government and organize its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Providence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light or transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown... That mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object invents a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient suffrage of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. And he continues on. I read this, and and wow. They signed this declaration, and then the Continental Congress quickly realized that they needed some guidelines. If they're going to declare their independence, then they need some guidelines to govern and so they commissioned a writing of the Constitution of the United States. Now, it would, be, it would be 11 years later. It would be actually in September of 1787 when they would sign this Constitution, our Constitution, our present Constitution. The first 10 uh, amendments to that became known as the Bill of Rights. And uh, then uh, there have been, I think, maybe 10 some more, some more that's added to that. But one of the things that, um, that, that just stirred me is, uh, as I read some of the, some of the revisionist history was, uh, them proclaiming that, that the constitution was a purely secular document, had no roots or no connections to God or his word. And I, uh, I looked at this preamble to the declaration and I just jotted down in in the, in the fly of this little booklet that Barbie gave me. I, I jotted down six point christian philosophy on which our constitution is based to me it just jumped off the page first one is that our constitution our freedoms as a country is based on the sovereignty of god in man's as man's creator and as he is the ultimate source of order for we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights okay two is that the Sovereign Creator endows man with these rights that man don't get, but they're given by God. Secondly, and thirdly, is that civil government, if just and, form, and, and, and the, the, look at those what with life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Civil government, if just, are formed to protect these rights, not to take them away they're God-given. They're not given by man. We make a mistake when we think our government gives us these rights. If our government gives us these rights, and if that's our perspective, then no wonder there's no ripple when government takes them away. That which man gives, man can take away. Okay? But that which is given by God, their founders wanted us to know that they believed these rights came from a sovereign God. Now, and that to protect these rights, not to take them away. And this one, this one looked. I looked at this one; and it just jumped off to pace to me. And not to provide economic security. I remember several years ago. Now, I don't. Some of you remember this. It was. It was in a political time of year. You know, now we have those all year round. I seem like, but it, it was in. A, it was in an election year several years ago. And and someone came out with the with the terminology. It's the economy, stupid. Remember that? Remember that? It, it, many years ago now, but I remember being in the post office in Blairsville and and running into a friend of mine. He's, he's just a couple, three years older than I am. He's a good Christian man. He, he's gro- grown up in church. Uh, he's active in his church. There is absolutely no reason for me at all to doubt his his salvation and his walk with the Lord. But I remember we met in the lobby of the post office <clears throat> and somehow or another, it was mentioned about candidates. And I remember strong looking at him and saying, hey, man, listen. As Christians, as Christians, it's not about the economy. It's about biblical principles of governing. I don't care where you're Democrat or Republican or Independent or Lithuanian or Alien. It's about God's word. It's not about the economy. And I remember him looking at me and said, you got it all wrong. It's about the economy first and foremost. Now look where we are today. That's been many years ago, and today look where we are pushed by the media and pushed by everything else. What a, what a, what do all the polls say? There's the number one priority on all the things the economy? Now listen, those of you that are like like most of us, if you if you're making payments on on a, on a mortgage or you're trying to pay for a. You know a car that 's twenty years old or something and or keep tires on it the economy 's kind of important You got to ha- you need some kind of funds coming in to fund the fun, okay you need, you need some resources it 's not that that 's not imp- un- not important, but I want to tell you'll we'll never i 'd rather have god 's blessing than to have all the jobs in the world without his blessings it 's not and, and the, the the role of our federal government the role of our our government was never intended. To put a chicken in everybody's pot. It was just make it to make sure that everybody had a chance to grow a chicken if they wanted to. Some of them may, may, may purpose to wring its neck or cut its head off and put it in the pot. Don't mean to be gross, but if you eat chicken from the store, it gets there one way or another. <laughs> others, of you, others of you may declare you don't like chicken, you do not going to eat chicken, you're going have a chicken for a pet, and you're just going to put greens in your pot. And that's okay too. Under our, under our form of government, it's designed to create the potential for that. All right, not to provide. Now, I went on. Number four, the sovereign God gives man the right to govern himself. Therefore, civil government can be rightly established by the consent of the governed. That spells it out in, in, in there. Last two, if government fails to protect man's rights and instead takes them away. Wow, it's, it's hard for me not to go there today. It's hard for me not to go there when Christian men and women are losing their businesses because of the radical agenda of homosexual uh, power. And it's got. And, and I said this many, many, many years ago. It's never been about accepting a different lifestyle. It's been about attacking the design of God's word. And I and, and I'll stand on it. It is. It's God's order. But when Christian men and women are being p- pressured, and when it seems like that the Justice Department of Justice, which seems to be, and I don't want to be critical. I, I love our country. And I still bleed red, white, and blue, but, I, but I'm not blind to the fact that the king rides a horse naked, they ain't got any clothes on, okay? So it, I hate to even use the term Department of Justice under the last eight years, but it seems like there have been more effort at pursuing uh, litigation against Christians and against conservatives and against rights that have, have been given to us than they have been pursuing Criminals. Now, that, that's just a stump. That's just jury. That's, that's not God's word. That's just jury, okay? If government fails to protect men's rights and instead takes them away, men may properly alter or abolish such a government. Number six. I know that sounds heresy. I'm praying about it. In turn, men should establish new civil government based upon sound biblical principles. And a couple of these just jumped off at me. These, are, these again, this is jury. First one is Christian self-government. Christian character. I want to tell you something. Character should count. I am so tired again. Folks, the only reason, the old joke is how can you tell when a politician is lying? Their mouth is moving. But they, you know what? Now listen to me. The only reason we have gotten to that place in this country, and it seems that we expect in a, in a political time or any time, we expect people to tell us what we want to hear. And we just accept that. And the only reason our politicians have got to that point is because we elected them there because it became okay with us. And again, Christian character... Is not about a Democrat, a Republican, an Independent, a Baptist, an Episcopalian, a, a, a heathen, or a Pentecost. It's not about that. It's about honoring God's word, obeying God's word, and living out in truth. And character should matter. If you do business with a man or with a woman, you want them to be a man or woman of the word, right? So let's do not, let's don't excuse. And when the world laughs and say, well, we expect all the politicians lie. No, we don't. And we need to hold them to a higher standard. And we need to hold men and women who proclaim they're men and women of God and stand behind the pulpit and open God's word to open God's word and proclaim it with truth and with boldness. Character matters. Amen. Well, it could go on. I, I don't want to do that. Let me just just say a couple things. One, I, I thank God for America and for the freedoms that we enjoy. Uh, and we, we honored, I, I really wish that I got to count first service and second service of all the men and women who have served uh, our country. And we honor you. And for those of you that have served to provide these freedoms, there are many others who have, whose spouses did not come back home, or whose sons and daughters did not return, or whose grandfathers <coughs> Or grant, uh, you know, did not come back. They've given their, they've given their lives so that we could enjoy these freedoms. And our founding fathers, now, not all of them were Christian, but, but there was enough Christian influence. And many of them were Christian men and women. And there was still enough godly influence and biblical influence to form these documents and to establish this government. And they saw, the, again, the calling of God and the blessings of God on this land. Thank God for the godly heritage that we have as Americans. Let's never be ashamed of them. Let's never allow them to be swept away and purged away and changed at the expense of political correctness. And God forgive us, and God forgive America for the slaughter of innocent children, the unborn. The blood of unborn children. Listen to me now. Shame on churches. Shame on us, and God forgive us as Christians. That allowed biblical, biblical. yeah, but I'm trying to say... uh, the things that are come under biblical authority to become a political item. The, 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 right of, the right to life, the sanctity of the unborn should have nothing to do about whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or anything else. It's God's word. And that should be our stand. And God forgive us for being silent and being quiet and standing aside and letting it become a political issue. And God, forgive our churches for not speaking the truth and saying, God, you do what you want to, but you have no right in this. It's God's design. God gives that life in the womb of that mother. It's God's plan. And if you take it out, if you kill it, it's murder. It's not sanctioned under the law of God. God, forgive us for that. God, forgive us for Christians, for our apathy. We've been called by God's word to be salt and to be light. We've been called to be the preservative, to be the seasoning in this nation where he's placed us. And if our salt has lost its saltiness, if our lights are getting dim or gone out, we might need to take the globe off and clean it up. You, you know what that, you know what the globe on the, on the lamp, right, the oil lamp, that's that thing. Clean that thing up. Clean it out of there so the light can shine. God forgive us as Christians when we are more self-centered than Christ-centered. When as long as I'm comfortable and my family's comfortable and my kids are comfortable, then, then, then the rest of it's not no big deal. God forgive us for that. Now, just in a little while, we're gonna, we're gonna gather out and we're gonna we're gonna party. I mean, we're gonna party hardy. That these these guys, these guys have got it, got it down, and we're gonna start it with the baptism. I'm going to meet with you if you're going to be baptized up here. And I want to invite you all out at 2 o'clock. Baptism is a significant step for a believer, I believe. I believe it's important when that believer says, hey, now I, I want to be baptized. I, I, I want to I do that. So I invite you out at 2 o'clock. Then we're going to eat. I, I usually don't eat on Sunday morning. Uh, and so this morning, I'm looking, I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting ready. And I'm thinking, man, it's going to be 2. We're going to baptism at 2, 2.30 supposed to eat. I'll probably talk to people for a while, maybe three o'clock. And I said, honey, I said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do after church? We need to get a little little bite or a snack or something. Barbie said, she said, Jerry, she said, honey, we're going to eat at 2.30. You're not going to starve to death by three. Uh, So so I've got, so I'm I'm, at 9.30 this morning. I knew I wasn't going to get a snack after church but but she put on some baked beans She had she got bacon and she's already cooked bacon you ever have this you ever have smell of bacon you have smells oh my yeah if you ever had a smell of bacon and you couldn't get any of it yeah 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 i was there and 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 then and and listen and she and and she said to me honey I'm, i'm gonna put these baked beans on in the morning but could you get up early and cut up the onion so i won't smell like onion I'm a man. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I went out and got the, got the gloves that I do the, the the pet the dogs with and everything and put those gloves on. No. I didn't do that. But, but I'm cutting that onion up, slicing it up. And I'm thinking, I ought to just eat some of this onion. That's what I ought to do. But I trusted God. But if I can get home, change into my partying clothes, and if I can get Barbie busy. I know Travis has already told you this. I said, one reason I'm telling this is because Barbie's here. Because blabbermouth Travis in first service, he come up and he said... Hey, I done told Barbie that she was going to try to get it by the baked beans, and so she's going to be watching you. Yeah, yeah. You don't stand a chance. We're going to, we're going to party. We're going to, and we've got games. We've got all this stuff. So I'm telling you, this afternoon, we're going to have a, a party. We're going, to, we're going to enjoy it. I want you to enjoy it. Barbie and I have got 10 watermelons in the cooler, and we're going to slice those watermelons up. And when we do our fun games and stuff, we're going to put them on trays, cold watermelons, sit out there under the shed, and eat a watermelon, spit seeds, and talk. You know, it's, it's fun. But for the next five minutes, I want you to, I want for the next five minutes, I want you to do something with me. I want you to, to turn with me. James says, if, if whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's God's word. If we look in God's word and see who we are, who we are. So for the next five minutes, I want you just to, to join me. And to do that, I want to go back to, to a rare verse. And, and this week, as I was, I was looking at some, some, again, looking at some stuff, the message I, a message I preached here 27 years ago, in June 2nd, July 2nd, 1989, now, some, a lot of you weren't even here, weren't even around then, okay? But July 2nd, 1989, I preached a message that Sunday morning here, and I took the message from an obscure verse in Exodus. Exodus chapter 4, verse 23. And I want to go there, and then I want to go to another verse in the New Testament. But, but as, I, as, I, as I looked again at that message from 27 years ago, it spoke to me. And it spoke to me because I believe in this message that we get a feel of God's heart for what liberty in his people is all about. God has spoken to Moses, and Moses now is, is, is going to, before Pharaoh to explain to him why he needs to let the children of Israel, why he needs to, to turn loose all this free labor of Egypt, let them go. And Moses said, he said, I send to thee, God said to Pharaoh, let my son go so that he may serve me. Let my son go so that he may serve me. Now, I'm not going to go to the message 27 years ago. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Galatians. Probably a much more familiar verse. Galatians chapter 5, first verse of Galatians chapter 5 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ has set us free. And don't get all tangled up again with all this... Bondage stuff, okay? But Galatians 5.13 says this. For our brethren, you have been called to liberty. Not so you could do what you want to do. That's why it is. Not so you could serve yourself. But by love, serve one another. Even in our, our, the country that is blessed, we're still blessed with many, many, many freedoms that we enjoy as Americans. And we're blessed for that. What a tragedy it is for men or women or boys or girls to live in a country where they have freedoms, but yet still choose to live in bondage. And nothing is more enslaving, listen to me now, than sin. And listen, Scripture says that there's only two masters. Man can't serve two masters. The Lord... Our, our, our enemy. And I, I think some of us want to have three. We want to have the Savior, we want to have Satan, and we want to have self. And we, we look at it and say, Well, I'm not serving Satan. I'm just, I'm just doing what I want to do for a little while. Scripture wouldn't see it that way. Scripture would say that to serve self is serving Satan. To serve the Savior, you die to self, so you serve him. And so, if we, if, to, I want us to, to, to be sure. It would be such a tragedy this morning for us to celebrate the liberties we enjoy as Americans and the freedoms that God has blessed us with and the men and women who have sacrificed to keep those in place and those who sacrificed the ultimate and gave their blood so that we can have them in place and to ignore the Savior who gave all his blood to cover our sins so that he could, so that we could walk in liberty serving one another serving him now i know i know this serving one another thing can get kind of sticky uh you know i mean I, you think about it there have been times i've said god i'll do anything for you i'll do i'll do i'll do anything. i'll serve him right if i ask you if anybody in here want to serve god would you do what would you do for god you say, i'd do anything for him jesus who wants to serve jesus i'd do it in a heartbeat yeah but so often we say jesus man what can i do for you and and if we aren't careful if we aren't careful Jesus will say, "Well, Big Jim's got some wood over there, Zach. That uh, that he's that he's needing busted, and you and you and you and your daddy need to kind of go over and help him bust that wood. Well, Jesus, who else have you got that I can help serve? You know, <laughs> serving you. <laughs> and, and and it's when and, and 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 if we aren't careful though, he calls us, and we got a neighbor and their water lines busted, and they're digging a water line in by hand. You know, and and you see that, and you sit there praying, Jesus, how can I serve you?" And you're saying, boy, Lord, I hope they hurry and get that done. I know they're needing water. What do you want me to do for you? (laughs) Uh, You know, what I'm saying is, he says we've been called to this freedom, to this liberty. And it's a liberty to serve him. And we serve him by honoring his word and by serving others. Is it in 1 John, we sing this little chorus. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loves not... Knows not God because God is love, beloved, let us love one another, let us serve one another. It's a it's a it's a liberty that sets us free. Not by doing the things we want to do, but by doing the things that He wants us to do. Living for self and wondering if that's what living is all about. Having a blast, but having to pick up the tab for it with wasted and ruined and broken lives. I talked to a person not long ago, and they had been pursuing with gusto, grabbing all the gusto they could in this, in this life. They were, they were living as if they only went around once, and they were, they were grabbing for all the things that the world said they needed. And they looked at me, and they, when they grabbed everything they could get in their hands, and they opened up, and they looked at me, and they said, there's nothing there. Have I, have I, is this what I've done with the past years of my life? Is it all gone? Is it for nothing? Wow. Wake up. Wake up. What is the old saying? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. For brethren, we've been called unto liberty, not to do what we want to do, but to serve Him and to serve one another. Jesus died to set us free and he's calling you to liberty this morning. And if you're here enjoying the freedoms as an American, but you've never accepted the freedoms that only Christ can bring, forgiveness of sin. I cannot tell you, only those who have experienced his forgiveness, only those who have experienced his forgiveness understand his peace. When you say, how can I ever have peace? I've done too much. I've said too much. I've hurt too many And Jesus comes in and says, it's my peace. I've forgiven it all, and I've taken care of it all. No wonder, he says, it's a peace that passes all understanding. Can't figure it. Go figure that. Can't figure it. It's figured on the cross. And it's supernatural. So if you're here, and you've never received his forgiveness, I want this to really be a free Fourth of July for you. I want you to know him. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Father, and as we just remember and think of the, the, the heritage, the godly heritage that, that we enjoy, that we're going to enjoy in the picnic this afternoon, is that we enjoy as, as Ed prayed this morning, being able to worship here. Father, the fact that you allowed us, many of us to be born here does not make me better. I'm not better than a person that's born in Bangladesh or a person that's born in, in, in I'm not better. A lot of times we're better off because of where we are, but we're no better But your word says that you died, you gave your life so that whosoever will, whether they're they're from Iran, whether they're from Iraq, whether they're from Sudan, whether they're from Blairsville, or whether they're from Cincinnati, or whether they're from Chicago, or whether they're from Los Angeles, it doesn't matter. What matters is when we find freedom through your son, Jesus Christ, when he applies his blood to our hearts and lives and sets us free, your word says then that we are free indeed to live in the liberty that you've called us to. Now, Father, as we come to a concluding part of celebrating this uh, the service this morning in honor of the birthday that we'll celebrate tomorrow, it's just very possible, maybe even likely, that there's those here this morning that are saying, well, I'm enjoying the freedoms as a nation, but those freedoms that you talk about, freedom from guilt, freedom from the past, freedom from sin, Jerry, you don't know what I've done. Listen, knowing you don't know what I've done, but I know what our Savior has done for both of us. And I want to tell you, there's nothing, listen to me, there's nothing that his blood, put under his blood, there's nothing that Satan can bring against us to keep us from being free and to keep us from enjoying his peace. Will you accept that this morning? If that's you right where you sit, in your heart, would you just say, God, come into my life. I need your forgiveness. I need a Savior. And I want to walk in that freedom serving you. I'm tired of serving myself. Lord, I've been doing that. I've been trying. I Maybe you've been trying to be good. But I want to tell you everything you're grasping for when you open your hand and you open your life is gone. And you say, it's got to be more than that. And I'm telling you, there is a whole world more in Christ. If that's you this morning and you say, come into my heart, Jesus. Right now with heads bowed. Raise your hand. Put your hand up. Put it right back down. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I want to pray for you. Okay? Others need to do that. Father, I'm praying for liberty. I'm praying for freedom. I'm praying for chains to break. Anyone else? Father, I give you glory. We give you praise. Now, Lord, as we walk in this liberty, let us stand boldly stand fast and not be entangled again with the affairs of self and sin in this world Lord we ask your forgiveness and we ask your blessings on a nation that seems bent on forgetting but as Christians we answer the call to be salt, to be light and to stand in the gap in your name we pray